You are listening to the Final Witness Podcast with Alison Crogan, Robert Reed, Carissa Lee, and Ben Keane. Yes, perfect. That's, <laughs> that's my radio voice. It's yeah. such a nice voice. You can it read is. me the phone book, too, God. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> but yeah, we kind of like thought um, it would be a really nice thing to do today would be kind of like just to talk through, given that we're kind of closing uh, Witness, putting a bookmark in what it what it has been. Uh, which I think has been great, for, and I think we, we're all we've all done things, and it's 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 impacted the the culture that we operate in. I think in interesting ways. What what we what we've been really kind of um, interested, uh, excited, and proud of, uh, as far as what witnesses offered for people. It might also be kind of worth just really quickly kind of um, touching on why we have to close. Yeah. Well. I think Witness, is Alison here, Witness was always something that Rob and I started going, well, it's not practical, is it? Yeah. But, <laughs> I feel, so frankly, I've, I've been saying it to everybody, I think we, 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 we got further than I thought we thought we were. We, got, we, we got a lot yeah, further than we, we thought. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, we yeah. thought we'd try it for a year and see what happened, and we lasted four years because we decided that we wanted to see if we could make a go of a place where it wasn't about we refused to accept advertising because of the kind of compromises that advertising can force on a on a critical um, site like us. And there were various other things that we were pretty clear that we wanted to refuse. But um, it and we just wanted to focus on creating a dialogue that was interesting, that was honest, and that was included a lot of different voices. And I think in those ways, we succeeded brilliantly. And where we didn't succeed was not getting the money. Mm. <laughs> yeah, getting the money and building an audience beyond where we got it to like we yeah. we, we we got a, a kind of good solid audience of the community that is around us and supports us and is well, from that community yeah, but yeah. couldn't get beyond that sort of 200 we, well you know we had a wider audience than that well, but, yeah, in terms know, of people who read it but subscribers in, i guess yeah, I mean, yeah yeah it was we plateaued after about a year and then it was like Actually, we need resources. And I think this is the thing that all small, small arts organisations face is that you're running on a lot of passion and you're running on a lot of voluntary hours. And what you actually need, as I've seen in other media organisations, they have full-time people driving subscriptions. They have full-time people looking at partnerships and full-time people doing their marketing and doing their social media and... All of them are trained and have all, specific all skills. Of them are, it's, yeah. it's a really specific skill yeah. of getting and, that. And we were, we were doing all of that. And it includes, in addition to uploading, designing the site, I mean, we, we did all of that and ourselves. Well, say you did most yeah, of that. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it was all of us and, and um, that's been tremendous fun. But in the end, it's like you actually can't because it's exhausting. Well, it's a, it's a really, you know, it's, it's the classic thing of the Australian artist. What is sustainable over, over a longer period of time? It's why we have these exciting things for a short period of time that are wonderful. And then um, it just has to end at a certain point. And it's not like the work of the people involved ends. It's this, the thing that they were doing was in, then must end. Yeah. You know, to say it in a neutral way. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I feel like it's just kind of, it's nice that we were loved so much, but at the same time, 
in, you know, it would have been nice to have had more support. Mm. Although, you know, you you counted it as a sort of failure on our part that we couldn't chase money or whatever, but I think it's also kind of a failure on the people who could have supported us but didn't. Yeah. I, I, in fact, I would go further than that. I don't think it is a failure on our part because it's not our job. We set up the Absolutely. company to do um, what we were doing and what we were great at, yeah. um, and we fundamentally – is a misunderstanding in like the funding of the arts or um, Mm -hmm. the support of the arts that doesn't just extend to criticism, but to companies as well. Mm -hmm. I lost count of the amount of times as a, as an independent theater maker with a tiny little theater company, um, new initiatives would start, big new space would start. Great, cool. Apply and put all your energy into it. Um, because what we have is all these small office spaces that you can use as an independent. I don't need a damn office space. (laughs) I've got a laptop. I've got my living room. What I need is rehearsal space. What I need is performance space. And what I need is publicity. I need marketing my staff. Um, But they never give you that. That stuff's never available. It's just... Well, it is expensive. No funding body is even in a position to really commit to that because they're setup is about individual spurts of grants unless you're a major organisation and we're way too small to be a major organisation. Oh, exactly. And it, it, I mean, it's the thing, Jacinta um, Woodhead, who is the editor of Overland um, for a while until I think she resigned last year, but that she said was that there's nobody prepared because literary magazines are in the same position, nobody prepared to fund to keep the lights on. So you're constantly having to come up with novel initiatives that, you know, project-style um, kind of ideas, which actually we didn't do a lot of, to be honest, but um, we never um, – I mean, we were quite successful at getting money more so than um, other people, I think. Certainly other critical yeah. uh, organisations. But even so, that was – and um, we did okay, but we, not enough to make make it a, um, a sustainable – thing that we could keep going. And it feels like we did okay in the beginning when it was a new idea and everyone was like, oh, yep, great, let's get that on its feet. And then it was only towards the collapse with COVID and everything Mm. that people started going, oh, yeah, okay, well, artists need money and sort of threw us a bit of extra cash there. But stuff like... Oh, I don't know. We we got fairly consistent funding. We have different definitions of what consistent means. (laughs) Well, we did. I mean, we did okay. It was just never... It was just never very much because mm. for small mm. organisations like us, there's not very much available and it's certainly not enough to, yeah, employ the people you need in order to grow. And but then even things like the, I mean, not to name names or, or particular organisations, although you know who you are, <laughs> um, <laughs> there, there were a couple of things that were specifically about grow your audience and get marketing and get all that stuff happening, which we went and had meetings for to be told, yeah, but you have to do something new as opposed oh, to, but, right. yeah. but just give us the money to grow the thing. Yeah. Like it's, the product is good already. It's already got an audience. It's already trained, yeah. but no, 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 we got to, we got to, um, that's right. There had to be kind of innovative in- innovations that, Death knells of the arts. (laughs) (laughs) Whereas all we wanted was something to help us do kind of establish things that would make us sustainable. And there is not money for that. And there was just no way to get a foothold in that that way. It was always like there had to be this unique thing or this particular project or this particular way we're kind of offering um, something, yeah, unique, new, um, or specific to this person, to this company, to this idea. It was never well. Okay, what what you're doing is additive to the culture, and also, um, by the way, 
driving ticket sales for us um, and giving us publicity, um, even a positive. I I think the thing worth mentioning as well, a positive or negative review, if you don't like that reviewer's opinion and they say they don't like it, I mean, it's equally likely the person, well, I'm going to think it's here for myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, it, j- it doesn't have to be positive reviewing. I mean, that's, and I think that's a real mistake as far as like funding a lot of reviewing. They feel like, you know, oh, well, we're obligated to give it a good review yeah, because. Well, it's not, it, it, the fact that you're in there giving contention, while well, a theatre going audience will go, well, I don't know about that. I'm going to have to go see it to make my own opinion. That's yeah. the idea of criticism. Or a critical right? dialogue for sure. But we, uh, we, we do have a lot of trouble in Australia understanding what. It, a critical discourse might be. Oh, absolutely. And, yeah, yeah and, and certainly, I mean, I know in Theatre Notes when I started that in 2004, that really challenged that and there was actually a critical dialogue, especially mm. in Melbourne. Mm. It was quite remarkable. It wasn't anything like that anywhere else in the world at that time, in the English-speaking world, I should say. But um, that kind of died down and we fell into the whole thing of its PR yeah, and um, you know that it, it a, a division of marketing, and so the idea that um, critical dialogue might be something that is might immediately like you know a, a review might be highly negatively critical of a piece, and that um, doesn't mean that it's a negative thing for the culture. It can mean the positive thing especially if there's kind of dialogue around that. And that's a really difficult um, idea to get across. And I think especially since the pandemic happened, that's even more difficult. Yes, yes. You know, because as soon as you're in a position where there's a perception that you have to be, quote, supportive of a culture. (laughs) Don't say anything negative, don't say anything bad. I think I think that's uh, always a, a really bad sign for the culture itself. Mm. That it, it means the cu- the culture is seriously in trouble, mm. and and it also means that um, critical voices will tend to be marginalised because they're uncomfortable because they're not perceived as imp- as supportive, and there are all sorts of knock on effects of that, including the the further marginalisation of marginalised voices, which you might speak to, Carissa. Yeah. <laughs> I think, I don't know, there's a lot of stuff that I've been seeing around about normalising the concept of learning, like learning when you've actually kind of fucked up, essentially. You you go, oh, this is the view I had for this long and this is how I could do better. And that, that could definitely be applied to theatre. And I think in a lot of ways we have called out theatre for, you know, phoning it in or mm. not being culturally sensitive to certain themes and that kind of stuff. I think, you know, if if someone were to step back and go, you know what, all right. I want to learn from this. That's something that critique should provide in those reviews rather than people taking it personally. Mm. And I think that's something that Witness did really mm. well is that mm. we, we did start those conversations of, okay, what does it mean to be culturally sensitive? That could be about ethnicity. That could be about, you know, identity, gender, LGBTQ representation, anything. What can people learn from this? How can you learn to do better representation? And yeah, I think the fact that that whole process was completely stopped at the head a lot of the time is very damaging. You're stopping a really great process that is vital to the world being able to catch up with the rest of the people who need this, I guess, involvement. Because, yeah, 
you need to have have space and facilitate spaces for people who are diverse in different ways. And the, the hardest part for that is learning about what that means. And I think, yeah, yeah. there was a lot of, I, mean, I guess, it, yeah. <laughs> during the pandemic, there was a lot of, I mean, it's not the pandemic is over yet because it isn't. Uh, yeah. And I think it's also, I mean, it feels very clear to me that Witness is one of the casualties of the pandemic, that um, it made what was already a kind of challenging proposition actually impossible. And that was pretty clear to us mid last year, I reckon, yeah. Rob. Yeah. That it was like, oh, we had all sorts of plans for 2020. <laughs> 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 and they were like, oh, okay, that's not going to happen. But one of the things that was very clear d- during the pandemic and particularly in performance was how accessibility became like a big thing. And so online performance, which had all sorts of difficulties, but also all sorts of um, interesting, pro- promising innovations, in fact, um, were also things that like disabled people who said, you know, we've been looking for this for years or people in remote cases or marginalised people, economically marginalised people, all sorts of people were saying this is great because it makes it, we can get this. And likewise, outside performance, all those voices were have been visible in the last year. And I think what we're seeing now is all that closing back. Yeah, right back to how it was. And it's, it's the yeah. huge pressure, pressure for every the normal to be normalised again. Yeah, which is kind of, I don't know, there's just so much uh, exclusion in doing that. It's ableist. It's, you know, it's not making it easy for people who can't come to the theatre when, and, you know, and it, that's why the pandemic was such a great time when it's like, you look, you don't have to be excluded because you can't leave the house for whatever mm. reason. And I think that needs to stay. Yeah. And there's no reason it can't. No. There's actually there's just no reason, reason now actually, that it's yeah, been done. Exactly, right? Yeah, exactly. There's just, no, it's, given the nature of how digital technology works, you've set up the system. Mm. Why would you retire it now? Exactly. Keep it going. Well, because I think though that you, when, when I, when we started reviewing, um, the, the online stuff, I noticed, um, that there were several articles going around and maybe the occasional comment as well, which was, but it's not real theatre. It's oh. not theatre. It's not like theatre is a live thing that happens in the room. And yes, of course it is, but this is not that. This is something yeah. s- sort of, sort of different that is an extra, bow to the string of a theatre company or whatever. It's, 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 it's this thing about categorization that, like, you know, um, is so pervasive through kind of Western culture that, you know, it has to be exactly this thing yep. and it sorts into this little box and this yes. is the good thing and anything mm-hmm. that kind of blurs that is messy and non-intended. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's yep. the ultimate conservative <laughs> mindset, right? Everything yeah. is perfect when I encountered it and should never change. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, this whole concept of, um, yeah, this is what theatre is. Who is the gatekeeper of that yeah. d- that definition? It, I mean, Back in the day, it wasn't seen as theatre if it wasn't Ibsen, Shakespeare, or Chekhov. Mm-hmm. So, well, Ibsen wasn't seen as theatre when he <laughs> first no, turned that's up. True, yeah. Oh, true. Yeah. Well, there you Watching go. the he's, canon of this change well, yeah. is yeah, interesting. He's, actually, he's one of the, the the main guys that everybody loves now. That's yeah. exactly it, and he's theatre. But that new thing—that's not theatre. Oh no, no that's no, not theatre. Sure. Yeah. But back no. in Ibsen's day, thing, he was the sewer of Europe, or whatever. Wow, they really? Oh, you know, totally. He was. That's like him more. That's why he was famous. Yeah. To begin with, because and that's the same with, same, with, <laughs> same with all these, um, you know, an awful, well, an awful lot of the canonical authors. If you yeah. go and look at who they were in their time, mm-hmm. they were absolute 
you know, groundbreakers, avant-garde, breaking all the rules, yeah. absolutely scandalous, called brawls. Mm. Some of them, there was even an opera that caused a revolution, yes. believe it or not. <laughs> but, um, but, you know, an awful lot of, especially I would argue colonial culture yeah. is about just putting all that in it's, the it's, box. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, like, so, I mean, it's the thing about counterculture in Australia, the fact that it's just like, you know, it has a 10-minute memory and it's very intentional, like, mm-hmm. by the culture culture yeah. that, you know, we have this incredible history in Australia um, that no one knows. Tell me about it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my Dr. God. Dr. Reed in yeah. the story. <laughs> like, just, it, I, it, 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 it is core. It's core of this country because it's about actually our um, First Nation history as well yeah. and about an erasure of that too because it's un- for us whiteies, it's uncomfortable <laughs> to think about. Um, so it doesn't exist. Yeah, it's it's a really strange idea. Like even if you look at the very first play that Australia ever did was um it was it was a play written in eighteen thirty six. I can't for the life of me. Was the recruiting officer the recruiting. by George Farquhar? <laughs> Thank you, Doctor. <laughs> <Thank you>, Dr. <laughs> I'm actually thinking of the Bush Ranger, which was um, oh Melville. the first Australian play. First Australian play, yeah. <laughs> there were three of them, <laughs> all called the Bush Ranger. No. Hey, look at um, <laughs> no, but there was one even back then, and it was a really um, sustaining idea that they had for ages that Indigenous characters had to be played by white men in blackface, mm. which now we know is not cool. Mm, yeah. <laughs> so you know things need to change. Definitions need to change too. And they do change. It's, yeah. it's how definitions work. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like we can't just be cemented in this idea, oh, that's not theatre because it's not happening live. Well, things can happen live or things can happen pre-recorded, but if it means or that both. it's accessible and, even. Yeah. And that's the thing. Things both. happen live yeah. online all the time. What is Twitter yeah. but a live conversation on the internet? Uh-huh. Should we call that theatre? You know, yeah. Well, it can be. No, I mean, it can be. Uh, there was a great Twitter production of Romeo and Juliet. There the was. National but, it was National Theatre. Oh, yeah. Amazing. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah, it's so we need to be flexible with these so-called definitions. And it's exciting if we are, is the thing. Yeah. I mean, accessibility is a beautiful thing and it's such an important thing. Um, you know, even like for me as an able-bodied, you know, cis white guy, I still find the work that happens that doesn't, you know, centre that experience mm. hugely enjoyable and exciting to watch. And I don't know why people get so offended mm-hmm. by, well, it's not centering me, so, you know, therefore... How can I relate? <laughs> you yeah, have heaps of other stuff you could be watching that has centred you, so you'll be right. <laughs> you right, you know. I can yeah. go watch Star Wars if I want yeah, to. Yeah. It's still there. Yeah. This was my argument about the, the new Shearer too, right? Like, um, there was so much hate for the new Shearer online from the ones who were, from the people who were like, oh, it's not like the old Shearer. It's not like, the, you know, it's all the gender and sexual politics, etc. So like, well, go watch the old one then. Yeah, exactly. It still exists. That's what you want. Go get it. I mean, I've always been a why not both thing. Like, yeah, exactly. these, these things have always been so often it's like the thing about arts funding say where you know people present it as well it's arts or hospitals which is a false dichotomy well, anyway okay. that's not true it's mm. arts or very rich people not paying their taxes mm-hmm. which is the same equation with hospitals yeah. or <laughs> public housing and or public education, education yeah. all sorts of things and certain religious institutions yeah, yeah. and it's with all these there. things I, I just don't understand why it's always presented as a zero-sum game and why we can't have all of it of course we can have all of it well because those people don't want us to have all of it no that's the answer framing it so it's, that we don't it's like oh mate I'm glad I'm getting a little this is the last podcast fucking <laughs> 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 
now. It's like it's like old mate Howard with the white Australia policy. You get them scared mm. thinking, like, you know, um, mob wanting native title rights. That means that they're going to rock up to your house and ask to set, set up <laughs> camp. Yeah, yeah it's, it's this extreme that is put out there. It's like Nothing arts up. or hospitals. It's, it's no, no, it's not that, it's not that black and white. It's, it actually is a lot. Simpler than that, and the, I good think old straw man argument. Exactly, you know. like they're trying to scare people. They get yeah. them thinking, but it's if, also yeah. the thing of you know, like maybe Thanks. if you had had more arts, you, there'd be less need for hospitals. Or I, I, the one thing I went to that Kevin Rudd, you know, twenty twenty summit. I was one. I was one of the delegates, which is you know. Oh, there's been an immersion ever since, you know, everyone pretends they weren't there because it's so embarrassing. But because <laughs> um, it was such a weird thing. But one of the things, the one good thing about this thing was actually being in a place for three days where you get to talk to all sorts of people who are outside your normal kind of thing. And I remember having this conversation with a nurse who was saying how important, like she was quite passionate, saying how important it was to have arts in like health centres and things like that and what a difference it made like to people um, in terms of their health and their mental health and how they were in the world, you know, and, you know, from children to people with Alzheimer's. And she said, we need artists in there because they have this way of thinking and being that is really important and is part of health. And these kinds of connections that are completely lost in the either or, you know, you can have this or you can have that, but you can't have both and you can't, and that means you can't have either, actually. What, 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 what really blows my mind about even the big companies not going, all right, well, yeah, sure, there's a live show, but we can also stream it so other people can yeah. see it. Because yeah. it's more audience, you morons. Yeah. That's, you could potentially fair, double though, your money. To be fair, the, the MTC is streaming, streaming Berlin. Mm. Yeah, I saw that. So there is, a, there is a yeah. bit of that going on. Uh, yeah, well, and it would be yeah. nice if there was more of that. And also if it hangs mm. around and doesn't just happen. That's the thing. Is it a time thing? Oh, during this uncertain time we will do this. Or is it, oh, well, we did this and it's possible now, so why not just have it as part of our practice? Absolutely. Like, why, why isn't this best practice? Given it's possible, why isn't it just best practice to do this kind of stuff? Given the low, um, you know, relative cost of it. And, you know, um, it's just it's a, it's a wonderful thing that we should be doing. Mm. I am going to shift the conversation now because we must sh- shift gears. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I also wanted to discuss... Um, you know, given we have this body of work that we can now reflect on, and this is like one of the really wonderful things about kind of closing a chapter is that you can now reflect on it and look at it um, and, and go, what was that? Um, and I was just, what is something, it doesn't have to be something you've done, it could be, or it can be something you've done, it could be an effect that you saw. Um, what's one of the favourite things for you that have come out of um, working with Witness and working as Witness? Okay, Carissa. Yeah. <laughs> learning how to be a writer, essentially. Mm. I think, um, I, th- I mean, I could write before, especially academically, but I feel like re- Witness really helped me to learn how to critique things from so many different angles, not just from my own. Mm. And to, like, the importance of research and looking at the nuances and historical contexts of the things that you're watching, because I had previously looked at things and be like, oh, yeah, this, this and this, and, you know, lit reviews and that kind of stuff. These people backed up my argument and all that kind of thing. But being able to look at the cultural nuances of something that I hadn't actually been acquainted with earlier, it was just such an amazing 
growing journey for me and I do feel like I've become a better writer as as a result and I, I don't know if yeah I don't know I don't know if I would have been as good with my PhD if I hadn't joined Witness it's um yeah it's just been an amazing journey and, and getting to work under Alison's guidance especially learning how to critique things from a different view this beautiful kind of narrative lens has been really, really beneficial. That we don't necessarily have to have such a cut and dry approach to critique or even academic writing. It can be ethnographic and Mm. beautiful and feeling and just about a human experience instead of just what experts have said. And that's very important. And I feel kind of sad that I forgot about that a little bit because that is a lot of what mob do. We we are we reflect on how things feel and have yarns and and reflect on what that means to us culturally. And so it kind of brought that back for me and also learnt I learned how to do that in a different way. And I feel like it's been really complimentary in that way. And yeah, and just seeing all the really beautiful comments that people have been saying on Twitter and on Instagram and they've been essentially lamenting at us ending and how we did critique differently and they're, they're just this constant thread that's saying I hope this continues I hope someone keeps doing this I hope you know I'd like to think that Witness was a bit of a hub a bit of a home for this kind of method of critique and even though we are ending it now everyone's kind of dispersing with these newfound skills and ways of viewing the world and performing arts and can spread it like another different kind of <laughs> pandemic <laughs> another different way of looking at art and a different way of appreciating these things because the way we feel about stuff is equally as important as what it means as a whole dramaturgical view. Mm. And that's something that I forgot for a while. But, yeah, this was really, really useful. It's gorgeous. I think I'll go and then we'll let the oldies go because we're too young and oh. I think. <laughs> oldies go. Oh, hey, look at we'll the oldies go after this. <laughs> Because I think I'm in a very similar position to you is why yeah. I want to kind of go after that. Is because yeah. um, as as a um, – so I kind of had a little bit of kind of like podcast recording experience coming before coming into this, and this was a really tremendously kind of fun thing to do. I kind of started off just as a recordist, um, which was great, and I loved editing the work as well. It was a really interesting proposition because it was really interesting conversations. Um, but then kind of like as it kind of progressed, um, I started kind of like um, – well, getting people in and asking them questions myself and um, and working with the um, the Westgate kind of um, union kind of uh, show and what that was and that event was beautiful and it really is one of my favourite kind of audio things I've ever produced because um, I feel like I kind of was able to construct not only kind of a wonderful record of that day but also a, um, draw out the narratives um, yeah. that were present that day, and that I'd was. I'd agree really, with that. It's a really beautiful podcast. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm very, I, as far as a particular piece, but also, um, Carissa, when we when you interviewed, uh, we had we had uh, Richard Franklin in. Oh, that was yeah. one of the absolute experiences. Being in that room with you two, talking about this, um, was probably one of the most uh, present I've ever felt in my life. Um, in that moment of that storytelling and how important um, those stories are uh, and what a privilege it was to be in there kind of um, and in my own small way kind of helping the, um, you know, recording of it in my, you know, as in a record of something. Um, and, you know, I feel like I really, uh, my practice has grown immensely and I, and, I, and I know that video essay and podcast is just like a massive part of 
my it's just it's just what I do now. Yeah. It's part of my practice, and that wouldn't have happened without witness, um, without the the opportunity to kind of actually um, practice this particular craft without kind of going to radio college or you know um, that kind of institutional or kind of um, backing because I'm not interested in that. I was just interested in discussion, um, conversation and storytelling. And that's, and that's the angle I was able only through this kind of thing to do. And so I encourage any institutions out there, please encourage young people to produce work like this, give them the opportunities to not only kind of sit there and tell their stories, but actually make it themselves, construct it themselves. It's so it's so important actually. Yeah. I think the fact that you want to facilitate people's stories mm. is the most important thing. It's really, it's, it's really staying with me. And it's, it's something I know at some point I will be continuing again, not theatre specific, but will involve theatre about storytelling and giving people the space and opportunity within Australia to do. Absolutely. Um, this is, this is uh, what, what, w- remind me of the question. <laughs> it, what is about something what, that you are interested, proud, excited by that happened, that Witness? That Witness that, did or that I did? can be both that kind of like you, you've had an experience with or done. Um, I might answer two of those, uh, uh, both go. of those things. One, uh, I feel like I'm very proud that Witness made um, so much space for the voices that are, are not usually represented in this kind of critical sphere, that it's not, that it wasn't all two old white people talking about <laughs> theatre, um, that, you know, um, Gully and... Um, uh, the the uh, the many Indigenous voices we had, Monique, the amount of work that Monique did oh, for us. Oh, goodness. Um, did so much work. Uh, like all of the... Um, the the Olivia of neurodivergent voices, mm. Olivia yeah, yeah. Musket. Yeah, all, I, I feel like that was a really worthwhile thing that Witness did um, than that we were able to, that you and I, Alison and I, were able to sort of stand back and go, well, we'll do a bunch of stuff, but also it's not just about us. It's actually much more useful, interesting, and important to invite a lot of people with different voices yeah. to the conversation. Yeah. So I feel like that was a really And give them thing. the same space we have. Yeah. I mean, there, there was moments like I, I, I particularly enjoyed when Jean Tong got very cross with the review <laughs> you did of yes. her work at the MTC. Yeah. And I wasn't so actually I, saying Jean's what she thought I was saying. No. But I, I did phrase it that way. So. But... Um, and then I saw her on Twitter and I was saying, well, look, write something for us because that's what mm. we're about. Yeah. And she did. She wrote a terrific piece on white c- criticism by white people and particular tropes that she's encountered yeah. as as a, an Asian Australian playwright and person of colour. It's actually well worth a read. Yeah. It's still fantastic. And she was very surprised that we let her criticise us. And it's like, but of course, you know, we're not above criticism. But isn't criticism, this is the thing I think we were kind of reaching at before, is an invitation for discussion. I it's, believe it's a provocation so. as it's well. Not, as... It's not a judgment, it's a conversation. Mm. Yeah, I mean, like, obviously we make, we make judgments and we might be wrong. Or criticism you might is just, subjective. <laughs> yeah. You might disagree and that's fine and it's yeah. not the end of the world if we disagree. There, there, there were some, I mean, obviously in Witness, we... Rob and I talked about it so much before we started, but there were certain things that were non-negotiable, like we always paid our writers and contributors, and it was absolutely, this is a bigotry-free zone, no transphobia, no racism, no homophobia, no, you know, all all those things were right out. It was like, no question. But aside from that, 
which is quite simple, actually. Mm, not that hard. It's not. Yeah. It's not very <laughs> hard not hard. to do those. Yeah, just be a good human. Yourself on the back of doing the bare minimum. Good for you. Yeah, no, it's, <laughs> no, it's, no, it's like gold stuff. It's like you paid yeah. them and you weren't horrible. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> basic, absolutely basic. Like, what well, if you don't do that? Then you've got a space where people can just talk. Mm. Yeah. And mm. I, one of the thing I really liked was how much I learned by working with all these different people. Mm. I, I learned an enormous amount and I hope I continue to learn in, you know, what I'm doing now and what I continue to do just by um, being in conversation. It's been, that's where it's been really fantastic for me. It's been so rewarding. And I have to say, I, I just love watching people grow into their talent. Like you, Carissa, that's one of the most rewarding parts of it. But you, Ben, as well. Honestly, you folks have been such a launching pad for me. Like people were just like, oh, you're right for witness. And then, they, you know, they snap me up for all sorts of stuff. And now I get, you know, regular work, which is really lovely. And it's all because of witness, 100%. I wish we could have done. Uh, that's the one thing that breaks my heart a bit about closing it is that we, it was something Jing Hai Kwan said um, on Twitter, and I, that was the bit where my heart broke a bit. It was like, yeah, they said that Witness provided a platform for so many people, and the people who it got a platform for, they, you know, their names are known, they have a track record, they can find other work. But what about the new people who are coming up? And that's where I feel, yeah, I, I hope that there's another place that can be nurturing for those new voices because they're always so important. Oh, definitely, yeah. yeah. And it can't just be one place. I mean, we were the first to offer an First Nations Emerging Critic um, program in Australia and I was kind of gratified that so many others followed with their own programs. Yeah. Um and that's not an easy thing. I mean, we had so much to learn. Carissa was our first. And we had so much to learn in, like, how does this work? But we were always very clear that this is paid and this is not about Because you've got to have, have that baseline for yeah. anything to happen. Yeah. The respect to actually value their time yeah. and, and offer that value. Yeah, and it's, and it's also, you know, uh, yeah, there's so many things that are – as I said, it's been a very educational thing for us but and for me and for Rob, I think. Um, but so rewarding. Mm. Oh, yeah. So absolutely rewarding in so many ways I didn't expect, actually. Rob, did you have another thing? You oh, to yeah, I was going to um, – so that's what I think, for me, what I'm, I'm proud that Witness did. Uh, of the stuff that I contributed um, – I'm like, actually, I think I think the thing I'm proudest of or happiest with, I guess, is better a way of saying it is the video that I did about the um, the, the theaters in Burke Street. The oh Burke yeah, Street I love that one. Yeah, I was really happy with that. I thought the I thought the whole Australian theater history video series was pretty cool. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> and I'm, I'm very happy that that um, got made and is out there because at least there is some tiny fragment of the world where the truth has been <laughs> told, um, where yeah. the full story has been told. Um, but. Uh, and I was very happy with them. But they, again, they're mostly just me sitting talking to the camera, right? Whereas as I really liked being able to physically go out to here, this this building that you're looking at here, this was one of the first theatres here. Up there was another one. Up there was another one. And be able to go to the places where they were and reveal the kind of hidden parts yeah. of Melbourne theatre. I really enjoyed that. Yeah. Um, and being able to write several pages worth of reviews about 
immersive experiences, participatory performance, games, all that sort of stuff, which is there anyone else doing that at the moment? Not in an, an interesting or informed way. Not here. Just, it's a weird theatre piece. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, I did like do stuff. And, and I mean, it's something that there are. Um, there's more of it worldwide. Yeah, uh, yeah, no, yes. but, talking about locally. But yeah, locally, there's, mm. there's, it's still such an emerging art form here. It was really good to be able to be here in that moment to be able to go. Well, I've done a bunch of this stuff, so I know a bit about it, so yeah. I can talk about it in a kind of informed way. Yep. I think that was such a valuable part of mm. Witness, actually. Yeah. I mean, I'm proud of all of it, I think. We, well, yeah. We've just done great. <laughs> yeah, we just really no. good. <laughs> yeah, bit of, pa- uh, bit of back patting is yeah. in order, I reckon. Because mm. yeah. it really was an impossible thing that we kept going for four years. L- and longer than most independent theatre companies. And mm. I feel like we never actually um, stopped doing what we intended to do. Mm. Yeah. 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 And I think also exploring what actually constitutes as performance because it's not always, you know, it's something that's on a stage or, you know, being streamed or whatever, like this idea of what performance actually means, the performative nature of humans as something Mm. to analyse was something really interesting as well. Like that piece that I wrote about my nan and and this performative Yeah, that was a beautiful piece, Chris. Oh, thank you. It was was definitely a um, healing piece, I think. Yeah. (laughs) But, um, yeah, just this idea of being able to look at, different modes of performance in different ways was just really beneficial. And I'd never reviewed dance before. That was mm. nerve-wracking. Mm. But also once I kind of learnt to trust, that I just reflect on how it felt and, and mm. how it looked and, and did a bit of research. It was really interesting. There's so something that I think witnesses, and it's something we've kind of been talking about, I just want to make explicit, that theatre and how you respond to performance is about how you feel. It's not about intellectualizing it. Mm. And that's something I really think, you know, because I think people, I mean, I know from 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 people who are friends or, or family, um, just think you, you have to have a knowledge to participate. Yeah. And it's not true. If You can think something was fucking boring. And, oh, absolutely. And obscure. Mm. Guess what? You know, if it, it doesn't mean that you're less smart or you didn't get it. Yeah. Guess what? It probably was fucking terrible. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah that's the accessibility thing too. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. and that's yeah. just, it's just it's the thing. Or, I just think it's wonderful because uh, you know I I have a certain tolerance for boredom up to the point, Lord Copper. <laughs> but um, you know, I'll sit patiently with things that are obscure and stuff mm. again up to a point, and. I've seen things where the boredom is actually interesting. Yeah, no, of course. And yeah. all of that. But, but it, you know, and I am someone who I like thinking about stuff and I like, mm. you know, people. Like sitting always, there in a the space. You don't get always, anxious. You pe- just pe- sit pe- with pe- them, pe- Yeah, exactly. Yeah. People, it's the way we're taught art in school, mm. that we're taught like it's like a kind of test. Yeah. That's and it. it's not. It's, it's not. something you just witness, in fact. Yeah. <laughs> and... and you can, and you don't need to have an opinion about it. Even you can, mm. and you don't. You can let it just sit there, and you, you know, the whole thing about sitting in doubt, hesitancy, amb- ambiguity. This is a thing our culture doesn't teach us how to do. Yeah. And it makes you feel stupid if you don't. Absolutely. And, an and yeah, it's like the art is judging you. Mm. I feel so strongly about that. <laughs> Yes. Like, absolutely. That's not what artists make art for. If they do, they're assholes, actually. That's it. Um, it. It's not about that at all. It's about a whole lot of other things about meaning, and that's complicated and open-ended, and it's for everyone. I it's think, really yeah. important. And this is like weird anger, well, not anger, but I guess kind of 
sometimes can be perceived as petulance when certain, you know, reviewers attempt to review something that they don't understand. Like maybe, you know, it's an LGBTQ thing, it's an Indigenous thing, it's a person of colour thing, I don't know, but it's something that's out of their comfort zone and they, I don't know if they feel angry that they don't get it or they it's not dramaturgically what they're familiar with or what the go is, but then they kind of take it out on the performance and it's like, no, you just need to look at this with a different lens or maybe someone who's a little closer to that demographic needs to be reviewing it. Yeah. Well, there's a difference between the personal experience and then, you know, projecting that out to other people and saying this is what it is. Well, Mm. I do think there's a certain kind of criticism. There's just about, there's a kind of pattern or matrix Mm. and they just try and fit the artwork against that pattern Mm. slash matrix Mm. and see if it fits and if it doesn't fit, then it's bad art. Mm. Which is always... You know, this has always puzzled me because, you know, like the most exciting art never fits. It's about not fitting. It's doing something else and it's opening, you know, all those angles that you don't normally see. And and we were talking earlier about Ibsen and how, you know, now thought of as classical and boring, but in his day was absolutely the unfit. That's really Uh, cool. I feel like I need to give him more of a chance now knowing that he was kind of a... um you know, a bit of a... I do, but get, all, I do all get being the, off-put by it, though, especially the way it's talked about. Yeah. yeah. No, I, do, I do too. I mean, but, you know, the, within those those artists, particularly, you know, the last few hundred years, they got famous because they were breaking all the rules. Mm. And then everybody, you know, Beethoven's another one. Mm. And yeah. every, then they become the establishment and that's the end of the art in a way. Yeah. But within that work is still that absolute radical excitement and really good actually it's really true in performance really good performance reminds you of what that is actually i think we've said some really beautiful things here i'm happy i'm happy to happy to start wrapping up i do want to i I think it would be worth now what's happening in the witness website now for those listening um well we we're going to archive it so it'll it'll everything will stay up and available for anyone who wants to look at it Mm. and we've also been talking to melbourne university about um them archiving it because obviously um you know if i drop dead or something (laughs) a problem with keeping the website they'll try and work that out but um yeah it needs to be institutionally archived as well which is what that melbourne uni project is for yeah exactly yeah work with that great work that's awesome well i think i want rob to close us out because he has that beautiful radio voice you have been listening to the Final Witness Podcast with Alison Crogan, Robert Reed, Carissa Lee, and Ben Keane. Thanks for listening. And before we go, Witness would like to thank our supporters, our subscribers, our contributors, our various funders, including Creative Victoria, the Australia Council, the Monash Centre for Theatre and Performance, and other uh, festivals and organisations who were supportive or helpful, uh, including the Melbourne Festival, Melbourne Fringe, Dance House, Arts House, La Mama, The Malt House, The Arts Centre Melbourne. And if we've missed anyone else from that list, we're very sorry, but um, uh, you can complain to us in foyers, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> Love oh, it. Beautiful. That's beautiful.